last week we talked about a faith that is receptive to the Word, about having uh, the type of faith that is eager to hear the Word of God, how the Word of God works in our life, to, to uh, not just say, I follow Jesus, but to anticipate and to, with humility, the text said, receive the implanted Word and the importance of, of how we think about the Word and how we respond to the Word and how we take the Word in. Today's going to be the second part of that. Today we're going to look at how a faith that responds to the Word. So the first part was how we receive the Word, and today is how we actually respond to that Word. So if you have James, let me read for you the text at hand. We will uh, begin in verse 19, where we looked at last week, and read through the end of the chapter here. Verse 19 of James 1. Know this, my beloved brothers, let... Every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the fear of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all of his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. A religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to be under your word, to hear your word. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for its commitment to the word of God as as a word that is without error, a word that comes from you, inspired by the Holy Spirit, preserved in a way that we can trust it and our desire is to live according to it. Father, this morning I pray and ask specifically that you would open our hearts and our minds to the things that you have been showing us and we have been lazy in responding to. Lord, help us that we may not be hearers only, rejoicing in how good your word is, but Father, we would ultimately be doers that we would seek to apply this word in our life, that it might change us, that we might live for you, that we might have a faith that works, a faith that is more than a confession, but a faith that defines how we live. That is our desire. Help us now, Lord, as we seek your word to understand these truths and these principles. Remove distractions from our heart. Help us to prioritize the hearing of the word, the application of the word, the working of the Word and the Holy Spirit in our lives today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I've shared with you before, there is a, a passage, we, we did a sermon on this passage not long ago about discipleship from Luke eleven twenty seven and 28. In Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, blessed is the man who hears and keeps the word of God. And this is a very important passage for me. When I came to faith in the Lord, that was the, the very passage that was being explained. And, and the Lord opened my heart and has always given me a, a, a strong desire for that passage and that concept. It has continued throughout being called into the ministry through trying to, to teach individuals in various churches and ministry settings. And even now, I'm working through a doctorate program with the end goal of a dissertation that has to do with this concept of hearing and keeping the Word of God and how it brings blessing into our life. This isn't a single passage. This isn't a single thought. I have studied the Word and found over 65 occurrences where this idea of hearing, keeping, bringing blessing, or failing to hear, failing to keep the Word of God, brings punishment. Over 65 times throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, this, this theme emerges, the importance of, of, of being exposed to God's Word, but not just knowing it, not just, not just hearing it, but to keep it. Or as James is going to tell us, to be a doer. Are you a doer? Or are you just a hearer? Are you a doer? That's what James is getting to, is that he wants his people not just to be open and receptive and to love the Word of God, not just to have a statement of faith like our church has that says that God's Word is inerrant, it's without error, it's infallible, it comes from God, He is the source and the inspiration. It is convened through the Holy Spirit that it's trustworthy, we can trust what the Word of God says. Those are all great and wonderful things, and I would hope that you could stand on those things. But it's not enough to just think that. In fact, if we really think that, if we really think and understand and know what the authority of God's Word is, then we should realize that we have to do it all the more, right? If we, if we come and we say that the Bible is God's Word, it's theonumatos, what Paul writes. It is, it is actually the breath, the Spirit of God. And we come and we say, I believe the Bible. I believe that it's God's Word. I believe that it is God speaking to me. Then shame on us if we think that way, are exposed to the word, feel convicted about something, and don't do anything about it. Do you understand that? The authority, how we view the authority of God's word should have an impact on how we respond to God's word. And our church is a church in which we place a high, a high place on God's Word. We have a high view of Scripture. Our preaching is expositional. It's, it's from the text. Okay? It's, it's, it's verse by verse through the text, priority, pri- primarily what we do. And we do that because of what we believe about God's Word, because of the, the power that we believe in it, because of the way that we believe it's communicated and should be communicated and responded to and seen. And so if we're going to expose ourselves that way, we need to really listen to James here. That we're not just hearers. We're not just, we're not just proud that we're a Bible-believing church. And I'm proud of that fact. There are a, a number of churches that unfortunately have a low view of Scripture. 
There are a number of, of, of ministries that have, have waned and, and fallen from the idea that this is God's word. They have caved to the culture and said, oh, well, it does say this, but we're not going to emphasize that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not that way. But if we're not going to be that way, I want you to realize there is a major responsibility in the way that we not only think about the Word of God, but the way that we respond to it and put it in our lives. That's at the heart of what James is saying here. That's at the heart of, of what's going on here. Notice, <clears throat> James speaks of a faith that responds to the Word. And there's, there's two types of faith here. The one is a self-deceiving faith. He says, for the man that looks in the, 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 the man that, that doesn't do the word of God is like someone who looks in the mirror, walks away, does nothing about it, and he is deceived. A man who thinks, I'm religious, I do all the churchy things, I must be good, and it's a self-deceptive faith and understanding. It doesn't bring God's blessings. It doesn't bring change. It doesn't bring transformation. But on the flip side, James is going to tell us about a faith that does. A faith that, that listens, takes in the word, responds to the word, and it is one in which he says is blessed. Is blessed. So th- this morning, I want to talk to you along these two lines. Along the two lines here that, that James is speaking about. About a, a, a faith, that a, a path to spiritual deception... And a path to God's blessings. That's at the heart of what James is saying here. Is, is there's two paths. So the first thing I want you to see is that there is a path to spiritual deception. And we see this in verses 22 through 24. And then there's an example given in verse 26. And the point of this is, is that obedience should always be the heart of what we're after. Interpretation is good. Historical understanding of text is excellent. Okay, I have a lot of commentaries. I have a lot of books. I've been to school a long time. I, I enjoy understanding the original setting, the original audience, the, you know, the way how would James readers understood this. That's all good and that's all important and that's all well. But if you end there, you are not regarding the Bible as truth, as authoritative. Because it's not just what it meant for those people. But what we should ultimately be seeking when we study God's word, when we look to God's word, is what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? How do I put this into action? How do I, what does this expose in my life? Are you reading the Bible that way? Are you reading it to be a doer? (laughs) To not do so will lead you to a spiritual deception, to a spiritual deception. So there's there's three things here that that are listed in this text that, that leads to this path of, of deception rather than blessing. The first is that if we disregard acting on the word, we are deceiving ourselves. If the word of God is presented to us, if in through preaching, through um, teaching in a, in a small group, a Sunday school class, if your own personal private study, you read something and you say, this is, this is something that I need to respond to, and you walk away, you are deceiving yourself that all is good. I don't care how many times you come to church. I don't care what committees you serve on. If you're not living a life in the Word of God in a way that you are 
being moved by it, you don't have a healthy faith. Does that make sense? Are you, are you with me? This is, this is heavy stuff. This is a, this is a stick your toes out because I'm going to stomp on. I wore my boots today, okay? We're, we're stepping on toes. Mine as well. But we need this. We need, we need to re- be reminded that we need to have a faith that isn't complacent with just hearing the Word of God, but we need a living, vibrant faith that seeks to do the Word of God, that seeks to do the Word of God. And so the first thing is, is you disregard acting on the Word. Now, James uses an illustration here. It's an interesting illustration. He talks about a man. The Word is a man who looks in the mirror, okay? Men, first thing we do when we look in the mirror, we flex, right? I don't care how old you are. <laughs> you don't? I still do. <laughs> I mean, what condition you are, it doesn't matter, okay? But this man comes and he looks in the mirror and it says that, that he looks, he sees something, but he goes away without doing anything about it. We don't know what it is. I mean, maybe he looks in the, in the mirror and sees, you know, he's covered with stubble. Uh, maybe he slept funky, you know, and his hair's all over here. Maybe he has a smudge of dirt on his face. But he's so busy. He's, he's so self-occupied that he looks in the mirror, he sees something, and he walks away. Now, what's the implication of this? He thinks he's good. What do you see when you look at him? You see the smudge on his face. You see his hair tossed. You see the stubble. You see, we can deceive ourselves, but we're not going to deceive God. And often, many of these things that we allow to, to fester in our lives, that the Word of God is supposed to be working and correcting, and, and we're supposed to take action on, others will notice it as well. Was it the mirror's fault? No. The mirror simply shows him the problems, but he refuses to do anything about it. He disregards acting. This is an illustration given to us that we shouldn't disregard acting on the Word of God. We should be doers. When the, the, the Word of God exposes something to us, when the Spirit of God exposes something in our life, we need to take action on that. We need to take action on that. As your pastor, I try to do this. I, maybe you've seen this, but since I've been here, I place a high emphasis on response. I've told you during invitation times, maybe you don't need to sing. Maybe you should just pray. Uh, I'm I'm trying to do lots of different things to to make it so that if the Word of God is convicting you because of of something going on in your life, that you don't just hear it and walk away because that is dangerous to your soul. It is dangerous to your spiritual life to think all is good because I listened to a great sermon, but I didn't apply it to my own heart. And I don't want us to self-deceive ourselves. Listen to this, Hebrews 4.12. This is what the Word of God does. James talks about it as an illustration, as looking into a mirror. The Word of God is very much like a mirror into our heart. Listen to to Hebrews 4. It says, For the Word of God is living and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation from the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. The Word of God is very much like a mirror. The way that it's written. Think about the way that Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke over and over again to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day and to his disciples. And he said things like, you say that it's this, but I tell you. You say that murder is wrong, 
Okay, we can all pretty much agree, right? If you actually physically kill someone, it's wrong. But Jesus says what? If you hate your brother, if in your heart, you, you never commit the physical action, but if in your heart you hate somebody to that point, you're already committing murder. What did Jesus do? He exposed the heart, the source of the sin. The Word of God is like that. The Word of God not only tells us don't do this, do this, but it goes to why we would want to do this. It changes us from the inside out. But you see, here's where we can deceive ourselves, is if we're not doers, if we don't take action, then we just worry about the outside of the cup, not the inside. One who hears and does the Word of God is one who applies the text to his heart, to the inside of the cup. It's not one that looks at the mirror, sees something ugly, and walks away. That is a path to self-deception. Second thing is the, the individual that doesn't prioritize the Word of God. So you don't put it into action. The second thing is don't, don't prioritize it. Don't think that it's important. Don't, don't make it something in your life that you're going to that you're going to take action on because it doesn't hold that high of a value. That's, that's the main idea here in this illustration about this man. If you look closely, it says that he looks in the mirror and he quickly forgets. Not only does he not do it, but why does he not do it? Because he quickly forgets. It shows him something that should cause him to take action. He thinks about it and says, I should take action. But in his busyness in his hierarchy of priorities, he doesn't take action. Okay? This is, this is what happens to us so often. James is not, he, he's talking about a forgetful hearer, he says in verse 25. He is a forgetful hearer. <coughs> so he has forgotten this truth that the Word of God has exposed. James isn't talking about a man with a memory issue. Okay, when he says he's a forgot, forget, forgetful hearer, he's not talking about someone with a poor memory. He's talking about someone who has poor priorities. That's us often, isn't it? It's not that we're forgetful because we have a poor memory. It's because we have poor priorities. If you're a parent, you've experienced this. Okay, At one point in time, I think everybody could say that this has happened. You tell your kids... I want you to go clean your room, okay? And you, you send them away. Our kids, all their rooms are on the upstairs, so it's kind of like their own little <laughs> complete area. They can hear us coming up the stairs, you know, and then so they, they look busy. But, but you send your kids up, you tell them, I'm going to give you 30 minutes to go clean your room. And you, you go upstairs, and you look, and they're playing, and nothing has happened, and you say, why isn't your room clean? And what do they say? I forgot. <laughs> right? We've all seen this. Now, at that point, do you, make a, do you call the doctor and say, I really, you know, call a neurologist. I really need to, to, to have my kid looked at because he, he's forgetting everything. No. You know what the issue is. It's not a memory problem. It's a priority problem. It's a priority problem. If you want to, if you want to have a faith that will lead you to self-deception that everything's good, don't prioritize the Word of God. 
think, oh, well, it's not really that important. It, it was written a long time ago. That's for a different people, a different culture, a different time. That really doesn't apply to me. I really don't need to put that in place. Well, I do these other things, so this, this I, I'm not really that worried about. If we regard the Word of God that way, if we are hearers and take in the Word of God and yet fail to do, it exposes a priority problem in our life, doesn't it? Because we don't understand the Word of God as authoritative, as delivered from God Himself. When Paul talks about the Word of God as being God's very breath, it is though when you read this text, God's the, 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 the moisture and the humidity that's coming out of my mouth right now, if you were to feel my words... That is, what it, that is the authority that is delivered through the Word of God when Paul says that it, all Scripture is God-breathed. It means when we hear this, when we read this, when it is applied to our lives, we should think of it as God in His very voice has just said these words to us. Will you listen to God? Will you put things in order? Will you prioritize? If God spoke to you audibly, would you do what was said? I think most of us would say yes. Well, he has spoken to you. And even though it's written, it carries the same authority as though it was audibly spoken. That's what the Bible says about itself. Do you, have, do you place it and give it that kind of priority? Or do you take a quick glance at it? Do you take a quick glance and, and go, ooh, I should do this? And because of your priorities, because of your selfishness, walk away and don't put into practice the things which God is saying to you and the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. That's a danger. It's a danger. And what's even more dangerous is we can do that and then think, well, I'm okay because I read the Word of God. I went to that sermon. I did that thing. I, I even came on a Wednesday night. That's not the point of being exposed to the Word of God. The point of being exposed to the Word of God is that it would help shape us and mold us that we would be doers, not hearers only. The third thing, the third way that we can have a spiritual self-deception is you can become complacent in your faith. You can become uh, complacent in your religiousness, your religiosity. I don't know how we would want to say that. But you become complacent. That's what's happening here. That's what James is talking about. He, he speaks about this twice. First, he says that someone who hears the word and is not a doer, in verse 22, is deceiving himself. Take note. If we hear the word of God, maybe feel a little convicted, but do not put it in place and think everything's good. James is saying we are deceiving ourselves. Friends, do you have a faith that acts on the Word of God? Are you characterized as a doer? And I know we're all going to struggle. I know we all have things, but maybe there's something in your life for, for months, for years, for decades, has been a besetting sin has been something that over and over and over again the Lord convicts you. The Word of God convicts you. Sermons convict you. Maybe friends have brought it up to you. 
that this is an issue in your life that you are not giving over, that you're not letting go? Are you a doer? Are you a doer? Are you going to do anything about it? Or are you going to say one more time, yeah, I know, I do that, and walk away? If you do so, you are deceiving yourself that you have a living, vibrant, wonderful faith. Do you see this? James is saying if you are a hearer only and not a doer, if you sit in the pew and you listen to every word and you amen every other you know, point, if you post on Twitter all the fun things that I say, you know, you, you know, maybe you're taking notes. All these things are great. But they miss the point if they don't produce a change in our lives. Do you get that? That's the point. Well, I'm just grinding that boot on us now, aren't I? I want you to be not only hearers, but doers. I'll, I'll continue to preach the Word of God. But we have to be committed to doing it, not just hearing it. So if, you, if you're complacent in your faith, if you're complacent in not doing, if you're just a hearer only, but not a doer, it says you are self-deceived. You are deceiving yourself. The second thing is that James in verse 26 gives an example of someone who's doing this. Example of someone who hears the word, prides himself for his faith, prides himself on his religiousness, but he's deceiving himself. And he's talking about the tongue. He talks about this man who says, I'm religious. I, I come to every service. I give. Okay? I... <clears throat> I fast, I do the extra stuff, I even serve at VBS. I do it all. And yet there is this besetting sin. Here, James says he does not bridle his tongue. It's another illustration. This is a man who knows that there's an issue in his life, yet he fails to recognize it, he fails to take action on it, and so he's like the man who quickly looks in the mirror, sees that there's a problem, and walks away. And when our tongue is not unbridled, James is going to use a good chunk of chapter 3 talking about the tongue. When we have a tongue that's unbridled, I mean, there, there's lots of things that this could mean. It could be lying, it could be you know, half-truth, slander, gossip, angry words, hateful speech, cursing, filthy jokes or stories. Um, there's so many things that this could mean, this, this unbridled tongue. But when you see somebody who, who looks like and, and thinks that they're doing all the right things, but you hear that kind of speech out of them, what does it reveal? It reveals that there's something wrong in the heart, doesn't it? See, it's like that man. It's, it's the same example. He, he looked in the mirror. He saw there was an issue. He didn't do anything about it. He walked away. The mirror knows... But also everybody else can see it's self-apparent that there is this issue going on because he did not take action with what was exposed. I've met many religious people who have all the right answers and also all the excuses in the world as to why what they know doesn't show up in their life. A simple faith of hearing and doing is what God wants from us. 
God doesn't expect for everyone to have, you know, a degree in theology. He doesn't expect for everyone to know how to speak Greek or Hebrew. But you know what is expected for every faithful Christian? Is that they are looking to the Word of God. They are exposing their hearts to it. And that they are doing what they hear. That's, that's the simple walk of faith. That's the simple walk of faith. Week by week as we listen to preaching and, and I bring things out. You know, do you write down a note? Do you think? Do you say, Lord, where is this in my life? How do I need to change this? When I encourage you to pray at the end of the service, that the Lord is speaking to something, will you pray at that moment and say, Father, I know this is wrong. I know I have done this. I need, to, I need your help. I want to take action on this. Do you do these things? Are you a doer? Or are you a hearer only? Because here's what happens so often, what James is talking about here, is that we hear, we get a little bit convicted, and we think, I'm going to do something about that. Life gets busy. And before long, we've completely forgotten, haven't we? That's what normally happens. So that's why I want to encourage you, when you're exposed to the Word of God, take action immediately. Take action immediately. So we've seen a path that leads to deception. What is a path that leads to blessing? James talks about this also, verse 25 and 27. So, so what are ways that, that this would lead, that we could have a path that leads to spiritual blessing? I'm going to go through this quickly because we've kind of talked about this as we've talked about the negative. The first thing is to look carefully at the word. So instead of a passing quick glance, the one who is the doer, it says that he, he looks at the word, he looks intensely at the word. The, the Greek word here that's, that's used actually means the idea to like stoop down and look at something. To take the time to stop what you're doing, to look intently, to look closely at it. Is that how you study? Is that how you listen? Is that how you regard the Word of God? Sometimes to do this, we have to change the way we read the Bible. I want to encourage everyone to read the Bible daily. Um, I, I, I do. It's important for you. It's good for your soul. And, and there's, there's two ways to read the Bible. I, I wrote about this and we put it, we put it on a, in a first page a while back. And, and, and I gave the illustration. It's not mine. I read it somewhere. But the idea that, that we need to read the Word of God two different ways. One way is like a speedboat. Okay? You get in a speedboat and you take off. <clears throat> and, and, and you're just going, and you can't really pay attention to a lot of what's going on, but you cover a lot of ground really fast, right? You can look at the whole lake in a day. Okay, we need that kind of a perspective from the Bible, that we can understand the, 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 the breadth of the Old Testament, the, the full narrative story of what's going on, God's plan of redemption, starting in the garden, uh, ending with full restoration and a new heavens and a new earth. And when we understand the Bible from a big perspective... It helps us to see how things plug in. But we also need to read the, bi- the, the Bible like a, a glass-bottomed kayak. Have you ever seen those? You know, if you go someplace where the water's really clear and blue, not the Indian River right now, um, you know, you can rent these glass-bottomed kayaks where you go out, and the whole point is you're going slow, and you're looking at the things swimming under you. And we need both ways to understand and look at the Bible. Are you tracking with me? Because what can happen is we can just get in the habit of the speedboat approach and we don't let anything sink in. 
We don't, if we do that, we are in a danger of never looking closely and intently at the Word of God. Perhaps there's times and seasons in your life where the Lord places a passage or a book or a theme on your heart. I would encourage you, park there for a minute. Look intently. You know, maybe, maybe get a, uh, a study Bible. There's lots of good study Bibles out that can help you. Commentary. Listen, everything just about is online now. It's unreal how many good Bible study researches are free and at your fingertips. Study. Spend time intently looking at the Word. That will lead to blessing. God speaks through His Word primarily. Are you taking it into your life? Are you looking for Him to speak into your life? Secondly, apply, when you look at the Word, apply it inwardly. Not just externally. This is, notice here, this is really interesting. James talks about uh, in verses uh, 18, 21, 22, 23, he uses four times word. Word, 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 word. And then he gets to verse 25 and he says, the perfect law, the law of liberty. Now, why does he take such a different change in talking about God's Word? I I think this explains it the best. Remember, James is an early book. It might be one of the earliest in the New Testament um, from from what a lot of of, uh, archaeologists and and, and historians tell us. It was a very early book. By far, we know that most, and he's writing to a Jewish audience, they had the Word in the Law and the Torah, and when you're writing to a Jewish audience and you're talking about the Word, they're hearing Torah, Torah, Torah. Well, they've known this since they were children. They, they, they studied it. They memorized it. Much of the early training of young Jewish boys was memorizing books of the Torah. And so he says, the Word, the Word, the Word. And it's easy for them to say, well, we do that. Think of the rich young ruler. He thought he had everything together, right? He said, what must I do? And Jesus says to to keep the word. And he said, well, I've done that for my youth. You know, I'm good. I know know the law. I keep it. And then Jesus exposes the heart. He says, go and sell all that you have. And what comes out is this rich young ruler has the wrong priorities. He's not able to give up all that he has because he loves God so much. The Word of God, especially the New Testament, especially when we read the New Testament and the Old Testament through a New Testament lens, understanding that Jesus is the new lawgiver, that Jesus, a lot of times, if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, he, he says those famous, you have, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, where Jesus not only, he, he, he not only keeps what was in the Old Testament, but he gives a meaning where it's not just applied to an action, but it's applied to our heart. What is the intention of your heart? When you read the Word of God, are you only applying it to actions? Are you only applying it to the external Or are you seeking, Lord, change my heart, change the way I feel, change the way I act because I love you and I love your word? Third, a way that that the word leads to blessing in our life, to be a doer, is to put put the word into action. It seems simple enough, right? To put the word into action brings God's spiritual blessings into our life. James gives uh, two examples here. 
in, these examples are not comprehensive. A lot of times these examples have been made, I think, a lot higher than what, they, than, than what exactly is being said because James isn't just saying widows and orphans are the only ministry of the church. But what James is saying is he says, if you want to be a do, you need to be a doer, not just a hearer. So here I'm going to give you some examples of some things that show that you really are a doer because they're selfless. You don't get anything back. And so he talks about making sacrifices in response to the word. Two things here. First is making sacrifices in response to the word. And the first he says, visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And the idea of visit here is not just, you know, a quick visit, drop by a card, how you doing, but it's the same word that's used for overseers or elders in the church. This is a sacrifice. This is a time. And, and remember, go back to when this is written. Children are not regarded the same way they are today. Women are not regarded in society the same way that they are today. This is a selfless act. This is, this is taking your time to do something for someone that is not going to be able to pay you back. Are you with me? This is, this is making an effort. This is making a sacrifice. This is ultimately loving someone greater than yourself. Why would we do it? Why would we do such a thing? Because that's exactly what Christ did for us. When we are a doer, we are modeling what Christ did for us, that He became sin who know no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, that, that we might be saved, that Jesus left heaven, took on flesh, took on the form of a man, lived on this earth amongst us, suffered and died for us. Was that selfless? Yes. Was that what it meant to be a doer? God asked Christ to do this thing, and he did it to the cross. Friends, are you a doer? Are you able to sacrifice for the word? Or are you self-centered? Your priorities are wrong, and it's all about you. So the idea here is that you would go see orphans and widows, those who are the lowest in society, and that you would sacrifice for them. You would give of your time. You would give of your love. You would give of your effort. You would be a doer to extend God's love to them. The second example that he gives here is that you, if you're going to be a doer, you are able to make, you, you are willing to make personal changes in your life in response to the word. Personal changes in your life. Notice here it says, to keep oneself unstained from the world. To keep oneself unstained from the world. And when Jesus, or when James talks about the world in this context, what he's talking about is, is the negative aspect of evil in the world, of sin that, that is through the world, of Satan's work through the world as it is right now. John 17 says that we should be in the world, but not of the world. James will say later that if we've made friends of the world, we have made ourselves enemies of God. The Christian life is countercultural. Remember that. Because the days are getting to where they show this even more and more. Where Christian principles, godly principles, biblical principles are openly mocked. On the news, 
They are openly mocked. It will continue. If you believe the things that the Bible says, you will be mocked. It is countercultural to the world and it is becoming more and more so. Openly, militantly. If you live in a way where the world is what you seek, the world's pleasure, the world's fame, the world's acceptance, you're going to be in trouble. That is not the faith that Scripture shows. That's not what James says here when we are to keep oneself unstained from the world. We have to put God's words into action. This will shape our values. Not only what we say, but what we do. In church, this is a big thing for evangelical Christianity right now. There's study after study after study that comes out that is heartbreaking that says that the church believes the Bible is true and yet statistically are doing everything that the world does at an equal rate. Now I know that's other churches, not ours, right? James would be aghast. We have to be doers, not hearers only. One time I preached a message like this at the church I was at in Nevada. And a, uh, a, it was a visitor, an elderly lady. She came up to me after the service, just smiling and as happy as could be. And she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Everything you said, I know somebody that needs to do that. That's not the way we're to hear the Word of God. Are you a, not only a hearer, but a doer? Are you living a life, a, a faith, that will bring spiritual blessing? Or are you leading one that will bring self-deception? Let us not just be happy that we know the right things. Let us not just take pride that we have the right answers. Let us see Christ working in our life. That's what we want to see.